1: And we are live with the Thursday pregame edition of the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, Scott Martin, Spartan Martin 18, joining me here. How are you doing, Scott?
0: Uh, I'm good. It's a little later than we usually record on, on a middle of the week episode. It's after work, so can't complain. Got a beer cracked open, ready for a fun one.
1: Yeah, with the workdays done, it's, it's been a pretty wild day for me. Uh, something involving the, the the standing room puppy that I won't uh, divulge into, but it, it's been a wild one. Um, let's let's get into some some talking points about MSU though here. So we, we got a game that we'll will preview coming up here against Penn State for the Land Grant Trophy, uh, but there's been a lot of stuff going on around the Big Ten, and I want to make sure we get to that. Now the the news broke here today that the the Big Ten athletic directors, print, uh, presidents, and of course, Barry Alvarez uh, have basically decided that Ohio State is going to be allowed to play in the Big Ten championship game to, I think, really nobody's surprise. Um, this was a topic in the group. Me, I haven't actually really had much time to scroll through a whole lot. So, Scott, I, I really don't know your thoughts about this. Uh, what do you think about the Big 10 basically throwing the rule book uh, the, this temporary rule book I should say out the window and, and giving Ohio State a shot here at the title? I
0: mean, like you said, it's it's not a surprise. Barry Alvarez was kind of teasing it a week or two ago as it was when it it came out that Michigan was struggling with covid positives. Um, I don't know. I mean, from a from a like fundamental rules perspective, like it's a weird precedent to say, we're going to change the rules because our, you know, best chance at a championship is uh currently sitting at five games and really no path beyond that. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's kind of like, it's it's kind of lame, but given how weird of a year it is and everything, I thought it was a weird stipulation as it was, obviously you don't want a team who's played two games in the big 10 championship, but like, let's be real. If it was any other fan base, If it was your fan base, in our instance, if it was the Spartans, we'd be asking for the exact same thing. There is no reason Ohio State shouldn't be in that game. They've beat every team in the division other than the two games that got canceled and the two games in the division that got canceled weren't even because of Ohio State positives. They were the other team, um, you know, dropping the game because of their own issues. So, I mean, from, like I said, from a fundamental rules perspective, I guess you could throw a fit about this just because, you know, it's, it's the old if you don't like the rules change them but in all reality COVID's been a fluid situation since it kicked off everything's always been changing the Big Ten put themselves in a bad spot making concrete rules in the first place and now they're just kind of living with that but at the end of the day this is the right thing to do it's the right thing for the conference for Ohio State and any fan that's upset with it is bringing some kind of other bias or emotion into the into the yeah, equation.
1: Yeah that's that's the biggest thing for me is like at the end of the day, the the big 10 basically put out this arbitrary number in the first place that, you know, I I don't know why people are so bent out of shape about, well, well they didn't get to the six, you know, that, that was the rule that we put in. Like, well, yeah, that was just a a random number that they threw out there. Like, I don't know why this is suddenly so important. Somebody brought to my attention. uh, I think it was Andy Staples. uh, I saw on Twitter college football writer for the athletic and he said, if judging by the rules, the, the way that they were structured, uh, if Ohio State played on Saturday against Michigan and lost, which of course nobody would be expecting, it was like a 30-point spread, um, they would be eligible for, and they would qualify for the Big Ten Championship because they have the tiebreaker against Indiana um, and, and they've played enough games at that point. So if, if we're in a position where Ohio state, regardless of the outcome of the game that they were about to play would get into this championship game, the game not being played then doesn't matter. Like, I I don't know why people are so bent out of shape about it. I don't get it. It's good for the conference. It's like you said, I mean, give giving Ohio state the best possible chance at the college football playoff, which I think they're, they're already in, they don't need to play another game. Um, It's good for the conference. It's good for the exposure. Um, it's, it's been a pretty rough year for the big 10 between, Hey, we're playing football. Hey, we're not playing football. Hey, here's the schedule. We're playing football again. Hey, you know what? Screw that. We're not playing football to, Hey, we're playing football again, but only in the big 10 to 10, what 10 teams have, have just two wins. It's been a weird, rough year for the big 10. Let's just get one of our teams into the big, into the, the college football playoff, give one of our teams a shot at the national title and see what happens, and, and hopefully you know, Ohio State can carry this conference as they've done you know, seemingly year after year the past little while here. I, I do think the Big Ten is the second-best conference in all of college football. Uh, Notre Dame being in the ACC, I guess, throws a little wrench in that, but that's only a one-year thing, so I don't really include that. Uh, but it, it's been a rough year for us. So if we can get Ohio State in and a shot at the title, um, I say do everything we can to get there.
0: Yeah. And one last note on this. I mean, as much as I like to dish on Michigan, I really don't think they were ducking the game, Uh, at least from the head coach down. I think there's enough competitiveness in that rivalry, even with the the current state of things that they wanted to play this game. Uh, They were preparing for this game. They were excited for this game. And uh, you know, they were just doing the right thing at the end of the day. They were, they were being precautionary, playing it safe. If you want to have a, a football season during this pandemic you've got to do the right thing when these situations arise and and play it safe so um that's just my personal opinion obviously like i said i like to dish on michigan as much as the next guy um in our fan base but uh, i do think they wanted to play this game so yeah it's a shame I, I was excited to see it i think for rivalry fodder it would have been a lot more fun to have you know a 42 point loss to uh, to ohio state to to chat about but uh yeah it's a shame
1: the conspiracy theorists are out there, but man, Jim Harbaugh, for as much as we can say about him, the dude is just a psycho competitor. Like he, he probably woke up on Sunday morning this week and was like, you know, Hey, it's Ohio state week. We're going in, we're winning this game. Like that, that's just the type of dude Jim Harbaugh is. So I, I can't see any scenario where he would just say, no, 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 we're not, we're not playing this game. We're scared as much as I. I laugh at Jim Harbaugh that that's just not his DNA, man.
0: As much as, uh, as much as he talked about nervous birds, he's probably lecturing his, uh, his players right now. on the fact that you get COVID <laughs> if you eat too much chicken.
1: I um, guarantee man. Hey, what, what's the best cure for COVID? Uh, a glass of whole milk
0: and a big old steak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh moving on from that, I that was just something I, I wanted to make sure we hit on. Obviously, it's a Michigan State podcast, but being in the Big Ten, that, that's a big topic nowadays. And I wanted to make sure we get, get our thoughts out there. Uh moving towards the this Michigan State team or this Michigan State game, uh, there was a couple things that came out this week uh from Mel Tucker, from Drew Beasley. Um, some things that I thought were really interesting before we start previewing this game. Um, there was also, before we get to that, uh, a little bit of news on the recruiting front. Um, mostly the thing that I want to kind of bring up here is we do have three guys who have, uh, who I guess, who have committed to enrolling early, um, not to use the the committed term too loosely there, but three commits to the MSU 2021 class. Um, that have said they plan on, on enrolling early at MSU, obviously getting a jump start with the program, getting a jump start in the weight room. Um, so you have quarterback Hampton Fay, you have offensive tackle Ethan Boyd, and you have defensive back Michael Gravely. Now Ethan Boyd, he he plays at East Lansing High School, so it's, it's probably not a huge deal for him. Um, he can still see his friends every weekend. Uh, I, I don't think much will change in his life, but You know, you get, you get the opportunity to be in the MSU weight room compared to the East Lansing high school weight room. And and that's uh, for a kid who's six foot seven, he's got the frame. Uh, I think that could do wonders for him. Hampton Faye quarterback coming in early, getting a chance to get that playbook. Uh, That could be really interesting. And then Michael Gravely defensive back out of, uh, out of Ohio, the Cleveland area. Uh, most likely being a safety, has played a little bit of corner as well. So uh, three guys who are going to get a jump start to their MSU career.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. You always like to see who uh, who comes in early. You know who has that extra drive. It's it's hard. I mean, this year is an interesting one. But in a typical year, it's it's hard knowing where my head was at as a senior in high school thinking about giving up that last semester, you know, it's like the big one, you got your prom, you've got like, if you're in spring sports, it's your last spring sports season. Um, it's just, it's a really exciting time to, and, and all your friends, you know, who maybe aren't in the same situation of enrolling in a school athletic program early are, uh, are sticking behind. So it's a lot to, to put aside to really commit to your future. So it's exciting to see kind of who, who makes that a priority, not to say the guys that aren't coming in the spring aren't as committed um, to themselves or to the program, but it, it, it's interesting to see and, it's, and like it's said, it. It's an impressive
1: commitment from, uh, you know, 18 year old kid. Cause yeah, mom, I I'm pretty sure you're listening, but we were getting drunk like every other weekend <laughs> the, that <laughs> semester of senior year, man. Um, you know, we, the, the guys, we were, uh, we were getting after it. Uh, I had basically my lacrosse career was, uh, was ended early due to an ankle injury and, uh, yeah, man, that spring semester was a good time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean,
1: it's, it's interesting. And,
0: and like you said, I'm really excited about Hampton Faye getting in there. Uh, we talked a little bit, you and I, um, between podcast episodes, you know, I kind of threw it out there. Is there any chance he's trying to gun for the QB spot next year? Uh, we both kind of settled on he's probably not there uh, to make a legitimate run at it, but who knows? I mean, I honestly think this is going to be a back-to-square-one QB battle this offseason. Uh, just given the fact that we, I guess, going into the last regular season game of this weird season, don't even know who our starting quarterback is for this game that's three days away. Um, you know, I don't see why, why we would commit next season to anyone. So, he comes in, you know, and, and, and shows some things. He shows a firm grasp on the playbook earlier than expected. Maybe we get spring practice and he takes strides. You never know, but in all reality, you know, just given how little high school football he's played due to injuries and other factors, the COVID and everything um, it's, it's pretty unlikely. Uh, But just the fact that he's getting in early, like, like you said, getting an early grasp on the playbook, um, getting some probably early reps in, in the weight room, obviously, it's exciting to see for for a uh, you know a program like us who struggled at quarterback just to have guys coming in and setting themselves up for success for for the next few years is uh, is something to keep an eye on and be excited about.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, he's watching these games. He he certainly knows yeah. what's happening at the quarterback position, and uh, you know if he's gonna he's probably sitting there thinking like, Hey, I'm going to get every opportunity to take this job right away. And again, like we talked about, I, I don't think realistically, he's a guy that that's going to be really in the mix as a true freshman, but Hey, you get in there early, get a chance to get that playbook down early. You get in a college weight room. Who knows? I I guess um, it's interesting to, to examine that possibility. Um, there there was some other news on the recruiting front. Scott, we're looking at some linebackers here.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who who pay attention to kind of that pulse, you've probably seen some things about uh, that. And forgive me because I'm going to butcher this, but <laughs> this Gau- is Ote why I Brother. pushed it off to you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you've got Gauté Ote brothers uh, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Bishop Gorman. We actually have a couple of guys on our current roster from, from the same high school. Um, the younger brother's name is Ma'a. M A apostrophe A and the older brother is uh even harder to say. Um, let's get this name right, Palai Palai Gauta. So, so Palai, we're gonna go with that. Um, he's played, I think, three years at USC, but I think he, I think one of them might have been a redshirt. So, he's got one or two years of eligibility, uh, remaining. Um, it, more of an inside linebacker sits so about 6'2, 250. Uh, for those of you who care about the measurables. Uh, seems to have had a relatively productive career for a guy who's you know, looking for a new home. It's not a graduate transfer. This is just a transfer mid-career, uh, which is interesting. There's still some buzz that he may stay at USC. But in any event, the younger brother, Ma'a, is, is probably a little bit more promising for the Spartans. He's a four-star guy on, uh, on Rivals. And he was previously committed to USC until Rivals listed as until two days ago. And now there's future, fast, future casts, crystal balls, all those kinds of things coming in for Michigan State. So there's not a lot of actual reporting coming out, just more of, you know, weird cryptic stuff like crystal balls. Um, I don't think he's doing any interviews or anything. So there's really not a whole lot to read into. Um, but something to keep an eye on. Obviously, his class's early signing day is um, next week, I think, next yeah, December 16th. So as we record, that's a week from today. Um, so we'll see. I don't know if he's going to sign on early signing period. I don't know if he's going to wait till February. I don't know what's going to happen with this guy or his older brother, but definitely an exciting thing to keep an eye on. Obviously linebackers, another position, just like quarterback where we've got some question marks going into next year. Um, and, and these guys, these brothers are, are well-equipped to to make some waves as soon as they get on campus, wherever they go. So, Gauteote, um, G-A-O-T-E-O-T-E, G-A-O-T-E-O-T-E it, for those of you trying to track them down online, <laughs> uh, keep an eye on them because it's exciting.
1: Yeah, that, uh, and we, we've we talked about it, especially uh, quite a bit on Monday's podcast. If you haven't listened, make sure you do, because uh, we have a big need on this team for linebackers. If, if quarterback is need number one this offseason, I, I would say linebacker is uh, nipping at their heels. So uh, we certainly could use these guys. Uh, some other stuff that has come out before we get into the Penn State preview. Now, there's two kind of comments that were both pretty connected here. Um, Drew Beasley, this is something I, I should uh, intro a little bit. Scott, you, I think you brought this up on Monday. Um, we, we were kind of talking about this roster turnover that's probably going to happen this offseason. And you made the point of like, hey, what about this is something nobody's really talking about is something even we haven't really been talking about. Like, what if these seniors just decide to come back like they have the eligibility? Uh, There's there's no loss of eligibility for this 2020 season. What if these guys decide to come back? You know, we, we generally look at the seniors and say, all right, we we got some holes to fill on the roster and yeah antoine simmons probably gone to the nfl naquan jones probably gone to the nfl but uh you know drew beasley was asked about it and this is a guy i think we we noted specifically of like what about a guy like drew beasley the the nfl it's probably not in his future but certainly not after this year i, I he wouldn't get drafted I, maybe he'll get a camp invite but uh he was asked about hey um what do you think about coming back next year? You know, you didn't lose out on the eligibility, and uh, the direct quote is that is something I've given some thought, but that is something I still have to I still have to talk to Coach Tucker and the rest of the coaches about. So I can't comment on that yet. Now, Mel Tucker was asked a very similar question, uh, basically about um, the off season decisions for this coaching staff giving uh, some insight onto the number of, of players who are going to be leaving. Um, this isn't necessarily specifying how many transfers are leaving or how many seniors will be leaving, but just in general, he said, quote, we will take it on an individual basis and then we'll make decisions on those guys. Guys will make decisions whether they want to come back or not. It's a collaborative effort and it's communication. So we'll just have to see. There are some that may, Come back, but we'll just have to see because everyone is going to make a decision based on what's in their best interest. It's really a fluid process. Now, what all of that tells me is that the players understand what's going on here. Drew Beasley very clearly said, I still have to talk to Coach Tucker, right? Like that, that just doesn't seem like somebody who's saying, like, yeah, I'm gonna make the best choice for me that's like, uh, I'm going to see if they want me back. And then hopefully they say yes. Like, not not to say like, that's a little bit tongue in cheek, of course, but it, it does seem like this coaching staff led by Mel Tucker is going to be making some decisions and you know, maybe pushing guys out the door is not the right wording, but it, it does seem to me based on those comments that there's going to be some, some tough conversations had this off season about, you know, who really wants to be here and who the coaching staff really wants to be here.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, going into this year, um, Mel Tucker was given a hand of cards and, you know, his task was in 2020 middle of a pandemic shortened year, weird year. You got hired late. You played the cards you got. Um, now he's got a little bit of a, Opportunity, well, not a little bit of the best opportunity he's going to have to kind of mold that hand of cards into his liking. Um, he was not going to, you know, push well, encourage guys to transfer. I'll say he was not, you know, in February, there weren't a whole lot of guys left making decisions about where they were going to transfer into or where they were going to commit to for this season. So, you know, he was playing with what he had. And, um, I think, like you said, this season's probably going to be the highest turnover offseason that he will see at Michigan State barring some kind of weird I don't know you know crisis or uh, sanction or anything like that that God forbid we won't have to run into but just given a normal offseason normal years and normal offseasons this will probably be the, the most turnover we'll see so I mean for a guy like Drew Beasley specifically it sticks out obviously you got guys like Antoine Simmons and Naquan Jones who you know, they've got the draft stock right now, given what they've shown probably to get drafted. Naquan is a little bit more of a question mark, but in any event, you know, most of the guys know they're either, well, it's time for me to move on or well, it's time for me to take the next step and and go for it. I think Drew Beasley is kind of one of the only guys on our roster that's kind of sitting in between. He has, you know, a lot to gain from coming back and having a productive senior, super senior season. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't know why Mel Tucker would turn a guy like that down, just given that he's been a productive member this year. Um, he's He could be a leader who's been through the whole transition, uh, obviously from D'Antonio to Tucker. But again, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. I don't know what kind of guy Drew Beasley's like. I don't even really know what kind of guy Mel Tucker's like, obviously. So um, there's there's a lot of moving parts. I'd love to see him back. He's currently tied as our sack leader for the team this year. Um, and I think given that kind of production and an off season, knowing he's going to have a spot on the starting defensive line next year, he could have a breakout year. Like Kenny Willick has had this senior year and say, Hey, I'm a, you know, third, second, str- second team, all big 10 kind of potential. Who's who's making a drive for second half of the NFL draft the year after that. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do agree with you that I think there everyone's just trying to get through this season. There's so many things that are changing on a daily basis that nobody's really, nobody has time to have those conversations and those, you know, forward thinking next season planning thoughts and conversations right now. I'm guessing we'll see a lot in December and January as we kind of get a chance to catch our breath from this year and everybody kind of evaluates where the cards have, where the apples have fallen. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. It's, It's an interesting situation. Like I said, I'd love to have him back. I think this defensive line has, a lot of versatility already this year and having a guy like him to, to anchor it next year would be awesome.
1: Yeah. I it's, it's really interesting. Cause this, this is something we haven't really had to even think about in, in quite some time. You know, there, there are, there are a lot of schools out there and, and I don't know, it feels weird to say we take this for granted because before Mark D'Antonio, like we were one of those schools, but I mean, you look around Tennessee, some some big name programs, Texas, who are just funneling new coaches in and out in and out and these decisions are being made every three or four years and and so just about every recruiting class it feels like has some new head coach that they have to figure out how to deal with and uh, luckily for us, we haven't had to deal with this in almost fifteen years, and so. Um, it, it is kind of new, it, it is kind of interesting, but it, especially when you tie it into the current like transfer portal era, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting. And like you said, we're going to have to wait until the off season, but um, maybe late December, early January, as, as uh, the the national signing period begins, it's um yeah, I think we're going to hear a lot about some of these guys. And, and obviously there's a deadline for declaring for the NFL draft. I think that's in mid January off the top of my head. That could be wrong, but you know, we'll know if, if guys like Antoine Simmons, Naquan Jones, um, have their foot out the door or not. So that, that's going to be something definitely to follow for everybody out there again at standing room MSU on Twitter. I'll do my best to, uh, to keep you updated scott is uh is linked to that twitter as well so whenever one of us is unavailable the other one usually is so we'll we'll make sure we keep you up to date the last thing i want to get to here before we get directly into previewing the penn state game um this this definitely ties in is the quarterback position look i know it's it's the weekly segment it's like the daily segment at this point Um, We have to talk about it, though, because uh, it's the most important position on the field. And and so Rocky Lombardi was obviously um, taken off the field last week. He he had uh, looked like some sort of concussion symptoms, at least we'll say that. Uh, Obviously, Mel Tucker has been pretty quiet uh, on the whole year as far as injuries and and stuff like that goes. So um, Rocky Lombardi, we, we still haven't really heard a lot from. Peyton Thorne came in relieved him did pretty well all things considered uh, certainly was far from a perfect performance but 16 of 25 147 yards had a rushing touchdown uh, lost a fumble through a pick uh, again it certainly wasn't perfect and I have been making the case that I think he should be getting a shot at the starting job um, Mel Tucker had some interesting comments and I'll kind of give you my read into what he said but uh t- tucker you know he, he basically said we're still in this evaluation period um we're, we're anticipating some by the end of of wednesday so by the end of today which I, I still haven't heard anything as of recording which is about 6 p.m eastern time um he said by the end of wednesday we'll know who we're going with whether he's going to tell people publicly or not is a totally different story um but you know rocky seems to be doing better every day na 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 then tucker was asked what he looks for in a quarterback at, right after finishing up talking about how hey you know rockies he's coming back we're still evaluating this na 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 he said your quarterback has to be the number one competitor on your team period if you look at the best quarterbacks in the country they are the number one competitor on the team or at least on their offense and it's obvious they're leaders they have command of the offense and they have mental toughness So he he gets into uh, some other kind of specific quarterback stuff, you know, uh, read progression, accuracy, and everything like that. But he made it very clear from the start, that's what he's looking for. He looks for quarterback stuff as well, but your quarterback has to be the number one competitor on your team, period. To me, Scott, I'll get your thoughts on this comment. I think he's sending a message to Peyton Thorne. I think he's sending a very clear message to Peyton Thorne and saying, look, you can look good out there on Saturdays. You can look good out here on practice, but maybe there's something we're not seeing in the weight room on the practice field in the locker room. Maybe Peyton Thorne's a timid guy. Maybe Peyton Thorne's a quiet guy. I don't know. But it seemed to me from those comments that Mel Tucker is making a very specific message to the rest of the quarterbacks, at least on this roster, because that's one thing he's been glowing about and Rocky Lombardi and something he hasn't mentioned once with any other quarterback on this roster.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can see that you're, you're feeling speculative today. Um reading into a lot of quotes. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm reading um,
1: into this stuff, man. You get later uh, on in the. Kevin
0: just muted himself. Yes. I, 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 I muted it. myself. I don't he's know back. what's going
1: on, man. It's been a long day uh no you see you get this late on in the season where we've all seen quite a lot of these quarterbacks and this this whole roster and you've seen enough of this coaching staff to to start to get a feel for what they're they they believe and what they're looking for and um yeah i'm I'm starting to, to get a real feel for what mel tucker's starting to think here i feel like
0: yeah i mean at the end of the day, Mel Tucker, credit to Coach Izzo to bring basketball into this for the type of guys he likes. Mel Tucker wants a guy who's going to go out on the field and uh, he's going to and try to run through the other team, and whether that means you know you're not the most technically gifted at your position on the roster or not, that that may not matter the most. He wants somebody who's going to go out there and do whatever it takes in their mind or in his mind to win the game and. I mean, at the end of the day, say what you want about Rocky. And, you know, obviously his play has been up and down this year, but (laughs) he's a five sport athlete. He loves competing. He knows how to compete. He knows how to compete well. And he loves, he he wants to go out there and, and punch the other team in the mouth. And, uh, and he's done that before, you know, he's not afraid to put his shoulder down and he's confident in himself. Even before the season started, we were hearing that, What is coach Tucker seeing? You know, he loves Rocky Lombardi's confidence. The coaches love Rocky Lombardi's confidence. And, and that goes a long way, not only because it helps you play better as an individual, but it rubs off on your team. And like you said, it's the most important position on the football field and the other, your your teammates look to the quarterback to set the tone. Um, for the confidence levels, for the aggressiveness, whatever it is. They look to the quarterback to set the tone, and Rocky does that for the team. Um, now his play may be a detriment on the other side. And, and Peyton Thorne, the problem is his play isn't enough to make up for that most days, and that's why Rocky's continued to come out and start these games because Peyton Thorne, he looks like he has the tools, but he has not put them together yet for a full performance to make up for the fact that Rocky – at this point in time in coach Mel Tucker's mind is a better competitor and a better leader. So I, I, definitely agree that could definitely be what Mel Tucker was trying to insinuate with his comments to say, look, Peyton, we like what we see. Physically. We like what we see technically, but you know, mentally as a leader, you have to take that next step and believe in yourself and get your teammates to believe in you before we're going to give you the reins to this football team. That being said, you know, you mentioned it on, uh, on Monday, I think he's at least earned enough to get the start. I'm not saying he's earned the job. He's not won the competition, but he's won the right to go out there as QB one for a game and show Mel Tucker and the rest of the staff and the fan base and whoever else, this is who I am when you put me in a position to succeed.
1: Yeah. I, again, like maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into this stuff, but yeah, like, like you said, at the end of the day, I, I hope that Peyton Thorne gets the chance this week to start a game Go out there, warm up as the starter, get those reps and and see what he's got. Um, so so speaking of Penn State, let's let's get into it here. So uh, we'll hope to get this done here in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. We'll we'll give you the full preview here. And it's a weird ass Penn State team, man. They're they're two and five. And they were they start off the year 0 and five. They've won the last two games. It's it's one of those teams that you just have no idea what you're getting week in week out. Uh, in terms of the offense, they're second in the conference in yards per game. I, obviously, Ohio State leading the charge there. Uh, Penn State number two on defense. They're fourth in yards allowed. That would traditionally tell you that's a pretty good football team. Second in the conference in yards on offense. Fourth in the conference in yards allowed on defense, but it's just been a weird year. They lost to Indiana Week One after uh, outgaining them 488 to 211. They lost to Penn State uh, later on in the year by seven points. They outgained Penn. They or pff, Penn State beat lost to Nebraska. I am all over the place. Penn State lost to Nebraska <laughs> later on in the season. Penn State outgained Nebraska 501 to 298. Uh these are just statistical anomaly, anomalies left and right. Uh, this Penn State team is is very strange. It's it's impossible to to break down at, at times, but again, they've won their last two games on the road at Michigan, at Rutgers the last two weeks. Um, two teams that I don't think anybody would argue are, are the upper echelon of the Big Ten this year, but you get back-to-back wins against two pesky teams, both by uh, multiple scores. Sean Clifford's the quarterback. He's been the quarterback the last few years. I, I would just kind of say he's an average Big Ten quarterback. There, there's really nothing special there, um, but he is a bit of a dual threat. He does it with his arm. He does it with his legs. They've been bringing in this kid, Will Levis, recently. Um, he's if, if anybody watches the NFL or, or follows fantasy football, he's there like Taysom Hill. He, he's the guy that just comes in at the quarterback position, and everybody knows they're going to run the ball. Um, so he's come in. The, the last two weeks, he's had 23 carries for 90 yards. Kayvon Lee has taken over their backfield in terms of the running game, though, the last two games. 229 yards and a touchdown, 322 yards on the season. So he's really come on the last couple of weeks. Um, They've had 200 yard rushing games the last two weeks as well. Um, So that's going to be a big thing is shutting down this running game that, you know, Hey, they, they've run over 200 yards. The last two weeks, they've won the last two weeks. I don't think that's much of a coincidence Um, and the last kind of stat that's really interesting here to bring up, you know, we talked about this weird, discrepancy between, well, they're gaining a lot of yards on offense. They're not allowing many yards on defense. Well, they're 114th in the country in red zone defense. Pretty much every time that teams are getting into the red zone against Penn State, they've been scoring touchdowns. So that's going to be a key. I know we've been scoring touchdowns in the red zone. We just unfortunately don't get there very often. Um, So hopefully we can get into the red zone a couple times here. Um, and make this thing interesting. I think it's again, it's it's a really strange team to break down. It's it's just a weird year for James Franklin and, and this Penn State team, who came into the year with Big Ten title aspirations, with Micah Parsons, one of the best defensive players in the conference, if not the best. Uh, Journey Brown, a, a great running back, and uh, the Pat Friermuth, one of the best tight ends in the in the conference, if not the country, and. All three of those guys are out right now and you're left with uh, a a team of, well, talented players, but, you know, inexperienced and uh, a two and five football team.
0: Yeah, this is a, this is a really interesting game. If I were a betting man, I would avoid this one like the plague. Um, Two of the least consistent, the least patterned teams in the big 10, I think this year between Michigan state and Penn state. Um, You just, for both these teams, you you do not know what you're going to get any Saturday. Um, Like you said, Penn State, you can read into the stats, but the stats don't seem to tell any kind of story. Um, They've had different players and personnel kind of filtering in key positions throughout the year. And and obviously everybody knows where Michigan State's been this year. You absolutely don't know what you're going to get. This is a game that Michigan State can win. I mean, Penn State obviously has weaknesses. They've lost five games. There's plenty of tape on them this year. And and like you said, some of their players are kind of inexperienced filling in gaps for other guys who who have left the team for various reasons or aren't playing for various reasons. So it's a game we could win, but it also it has this stinky feeling to me of like this game where there's this lingering good team hidden in Penn State, like this really good top half of the division, you know, between Ohio State and everyone else kind of team that they've been before, like in a mask, you know, in the Scooby-Doo mask in there and and somebody's going to pull the mask off this weekend and they're going to put up 45 points on us it just it feels like that's a risk especially if our offense does what it's done in the past or they just don't show up and they can't move the ball they can't get into the red zone or anything i mean
1: i'm glad you mentioned that because the the term like sleeping giant gets thrown around with like You know, Florida State, for example, they've been bad the last few years, but everybody said, oh, like, you know, they're just, once they get the right coach or whatever, the right season comes along, they're just going to blow up because they got the talent. And I feel like that, that just kind of might ring true with Penn State, like this season. Like we're, we're just, they're so talented. And again, the yards would tell a story that they're a pretty good football team but they've just been on the wrong side of a couple games and, and this team could very easily be coming into this game with a much different record. I mean, they've been losing one score games. Like I just, yeah, like you said that there's a real chance that that Penn state comes out it, by this part of the year, they've just kind of figured it out and they lay a 50 burger. Like who, who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, just looking at team composite, I, I, I don't, like to read too much into recruiting rankings, but there's not a whole lot of great ways to to kind of measure team talent. Uh, Penn State's 13th on the 247 247 uh, college football team talent composite, and that's what you know. That goes back to what you said: a sleeping giant. There's there's talent sitting in here for whatever reason. Admittedly, I have not paid too much attention to Penn State game after game after they you know started with five straight losses. I was just put my focus elsewhere so it's it's hard for me to say obviously we tried to do our research here but it's hard to say really what's gone wrong it feels like every game or at least those first five games where they were losing it felt like something different was going wrong every game so it's really hard to pinpoint you know their rushing attack is holding them back or they can't you know Michigan can't stop the over the top deep ball whatever it is like Penn State doesn't have that signature weakness so and the talent is there So if the coaches, you know, find something in our schemes that they know they can exploit with the talent that they have, or, or just like you said, it just comes together. Obviously they've won two straight, something's starting to come together for them. Um, It's got this stinky, like they've got the dogs for it and they just absolutely, you know, put their neck on us last game of the season, playing at home, you know, trying to get out of this muddy two win team kind of ugliness in the big 10. It's a scary game for me. But again, like I said before, it's also a winnable game for Michigan State. We ha- also have talent that's been underutilized this year. We've had things that have worked that don't always come through the stats or through the results. So it's just a really unstable game, I think is the word
1: for it. Yeah, and to your point, you have two win football teams. Penn State coming into this game 2-5, and five. Michigan State uh, obviously coming in 2-4. and four and Penn State is a two touchdown favorite and you're just like you you look on paper and you're like well give me give me the underdog are you kidding me there's two two in football teams and one of them is a two touchdown favorite yeah come on these these are two bad teams well are they (laughs) you know and it's like you said these are both teams that are have been extremely inconsistent and just statistical anomalies left and right across the board so I don't know, like like you said, I, I've been kind of following a a little bit more closely. I've been trying to watch some of these like quick cuts after the fact, um, at, at the very least, if I'm not watching the games live, because I, I do think it's one of those programs that is fascinating, and it, it's it's something different every week. It's it's exactly like you said. It, it's some weeks the rushing game just can't get off the ground. Some some games, Sean Clifford is is just not allowing them to, to make plays uh, on third down and in the red zone. Some some games their defense is letting them down and they're just giving up big plays. It's it's something different every week, so it makes it really difficult to try to project this team moving forward and try to project a game against Michigan State. Is their pass rush going to show up? They have two NFL pass rushers, Shaka Tony and Jason Away. They're, they're two legit, bona fide first and second round draft pick pass rushers. Now, they, they've been really inconsistent this year as far as getting home to the quarterback. They have a couple NFL defensive backs. Lamont Wade is one of them. But again, they've given up big plays from time to time. Like I just have no idea where to even start breaking this game down from like an individual player basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those especially like you talked about earlier with all the turnover that Penn State's had. Um, you don't know when a new name's going to, you know, spring up or or somebody's going to come back, you know, from an injury or something else and and all of a sudden appear on the field because especially with you know, on on our side, on Michigan State's side without having an injury report, without really getting a lot of uh intel into into what's going on at the camps, you really don't know what to expect. I mean, I'm not sure my actual prediction would be much different if Peyton Thorn or Rocky Lombardi are at quarterback, but it certainly changes the narrative in the way that the team approaches the game, and uh, and that's just one instance. I mean, obviously it's an important one, but it's just one example of the fact that we really don't know what we're going to see at 3:30, you know, at kickoff time on Saturday, and uh, and it could go a whole lot of different ways. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, a lot of games this deep in the season. Um, let's say Ohio state and Michigan state last week, you kind of have a pretty firm idea on what, what you're going to see. You're lucky to have a few close games a week at this point in the season. Um, this one totally different. It feels like kind of a week one matchup where you're like, don't know who's going to be playing. Don't know what the strengths and weaknesses are and don't know what's going to show up during the game. So, um, from that perspective, I'm glad we're going to have a lot of excitement to look forward to a lot of question marks uh, and a lot of, uh, kind of curtains to, to pull back, uh, during this game.
1: Yeah, and, and so a kind of fun way to, that we decided to to look at previewing this game or or the next couple games here, uh, we decided to come up with a couple prop bets for each other. So I have two. I think, Scott, you did a couple more. Uh, but we were looking and just like like we said, it's really difficult to say like, oh, our offensive line versus their defensive line because they, they've been so back and forth and up and down the whole year. Um, so we got a couple things to, to talk about here Scott, I I know you have a couple more than I ended up writing down. So if you want to kick this thing off, uh, we, we have not shared with this, these with each other, just so people know, this will be coming in blind. So Scott, if you want to kick this thing off, um, let's get it started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I went ahead, I have two for the game this weekend, and then I have two for the end of the year. So looking where the results will be at the end of the year for the full season. So we'll start with this weekend. Um, First and foremost, pretty straightforward over under on Michigan state's rushing yards this weekend at 100. We're averaging 95 a game. I'm putting the over under at 100. We should, unless something went wrong in practice or we don't know about something, we should have our full stable of uh running backs, and obviously, if Peyton Thorns, well, both Rocky and Peyton have showed some things with their legs the last couple of weeks. So, 100 yards on the ground against Penn State this weekend.
1: Uh, okay, so Penn State's given up about I got this pulled up, given out about a given up about 135 yards per game on the ground, like you said, Michigan State averaging just over a hundred. So Penn state's got a pretty solid rushing defense, um, up towards the top of the conference there. Um, and a hundred rushing yards. We, we look that this is the problem. We look great against Northwestern. We turn around, we lay an absolute egg against Ohio state in terms of rushing the ball. Now Peyton Thorne kind of came in and saved that number, um, from looking a lot uglier than it really was, but, I am going to lean under here. I I just, if you're asking me to feel confident about this MSU rushing offense anytime this year, I'll probably lean the other way, especially in a game where I'm not really sure that Peyton, I I do think, like you said, uh, Rocky Lombardi in that Northwestern game, he came in, he looked pretty solid moving the ball on the ground. I do think Peyton Thorne gives a, a bit more of a threat there. And so without knowing which one of those two is going to be in, uh, I'm going to lean the under. If Peyton Thorne is the starter, I will probably still lean under. Honestly, I I just don't trust this running game at all.
0: (laughs) That's definitely fair. I, I actually struggle on this. I don't even know if I have a firm opinion. I'd probably echo what you said um again for this game specifically because there's just so many question marks going in it's it's really hard to predict anything
1: um so so i, I yeah i was going to say i will i will do one of mine because it's uh, almost directly tied into it uh scott I, I have a trivia question to lead into it two oh, msu boy. players have rushing touchdowns this season each of them with only one we have two rushing touchdowns on the year can you name those two players?
0: Before the game or before the podcast, it's our weekly game. Um, I did look at it and I saw we had two and it stuck out to me. I did not look at who they were. I promise. One was
1: last week, promise. Ohio State. <sighs>
0: so Peyton Thorne had that one on the right pylon. Right. Um,
1: the other one was in another bowl oh, oh, loss.
0: Oh, Tyler Hunt. Yep, <laughs> one one rush for one yard for one touchdown <laughs> on the year.
1: That's probably right. on his so career. Two, two players on the year have rushing touchdowns. Neither of them running backs. Um, again, I love statistical anomalies, and and when you're this deep into a year, that's just insane to happen. Um, Scott, over under against Penn State a half of a rushing touchdown. Will Michigan State as a team, anybody, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, doesn't matter. Will we have a rushing touchdown this week?
0: I mean, we have 2 on 6 games, which is you know, 0. 0.3 for <laughs> uh for you stat heads. So, and they have a like you said a better than average rush defense, so I'm going to say no. I mean, I I think our chance of getting in the end zone this game more relies on big plays, throwing the ball, and we just have shown really not just on goal line situations, but also short down situations. We haven't shown a very strong aptitude to get the yards we need when it's just our trench against theirs, and uh, and they just dig in and go for it. Um, could be wrong. We we Again, we also really don't have, other than if you want to throw Peyton Thorne in this bucket, we don't have a running back that's going to take the top off of defense we don't have that big play touchdown type running back i mean connor hayward's not going to slice through three levels of defense and take it to the house for 70 yards you know so i mean it could obviously happen uh but chances are i'm going to say no and uh and roll with that
1: yeah i mean it's one of those where something's got to break right like uh, on one side if you're taking the under you're thinking well uh it's we've had two rushing touchdowns all year why would i believe we're going to run for for one this week but on the other side uh, taking the over you're like that we score points like at some point somebody's got to run one in like this is football people have rushing touchdowns it's uh so if you're taking the over on this prop bet sitting at home listening Um, you're basically just counting on well like somebody's got to get one eventually so why not uh, this week
0: and to add on to this something's got to break Penn State's even though they have a pretty good uh, rush yards against average and rushing yards per or yards per rush average they're averaging 1.7 rushing touchdowns allowed per game so um, as far as their you know line of stats go that's that's not a very strong one they're only averaging 1.4 passing touchdowns allowed per game so teams like to score on the ground against them uh Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see if we can exploit that i have a little bit more faith in their run defense than in our run offense but uh but like you said something's got to give and we'll see we'll see what that is
1: i have more faith in a lot of things than i do the michigan state rushing offense (laughs) most things
0: um, all right, I'll throw my second one for Penn State out, and then you can uh, do the same. So, another—well, not an over/under, just a straight line bet. Turnover margin, straight up. Who wins the turnover battle?
1: Oh, this is this is a good one. So hard to predict. Obviously, Michigan State started off the year horrible as far as the turnovers are concerned. Um, I don't have it up in front of me. But I, I just have the feeling we've been doing a bit better since then. Northwestern, obviously, I think we just had one turnover in that game. Um, Ohio State last week, I believe we had three. Uh, we had the, the pick six. Yeah, I'll get it out. We just caught it, it in the end zone. Been... Uh, we lost a fumble, and then Peyton Thorne threw a pick.
0: I'll give you the full
1: picture. So
0: we've had one game this year with no turnovers. Uh, against Rutgers week one, we had seven. Right. Against Michigan, we had zero. Iowa, we had three all interceptions. Indiana, we had four, three interceptions in a fumble. Jesus. Northwestern, <laughs> we had one interception. And Ohio State, we had a sneaky four. There <laughs> was a fourth one. Okay,
1: I don't I don't remember the other fumble.
0: So all um, in all, we have 19 on six games, which is three point two ish per game.
1: Hey, so hey Scott, remember, well. remember when Mel Tucker told us that ball security is job security?
0: Ball security and winning the Good rushing times. battle are the keys to the game, Kevin. The two things we are horseshit at.
1: Um, I Yeah, I mean I will have to say that we're probably going to lose the turnover battle. Um, I know Penn State's a team, I again, I followed them relatively closely here this year. I know they're also a team that isn't afraid of turning the ball over.
0: They have 15 um, in uh, seven games, so just over two
1: but per game. Yeah, I, I just think that they got a couple pass rushers that are going to at least hurry up the process of our quarterback, whoever it is. Um, between again shaka tony and jason away you're gonna hear those names a couple times in the broadcast Um, i I think they got a couple guys capable of getting home if not getting home at least causing some disruption so i will say that we're going to turn the ball over a couple times Um, on defense we've struggled to turn the opponents over a whole lot too so i'll say we lose the turnover battle here yeah,
0: you know, when I started going through the numbers there while we were talking, I realized <laughs> I probably should have set a line at like minus one for MSU on that one. See, um,
1: this is actually hilarious, though, because, again, for the people out there, I promise you, we didn't talk about this before. I, I really, I pinky promise to the audience. We did not talk about these before the show, but my, it feeds directly into my second one here, <laughs> uh, MSU defense will they force one uh so the the over under line is a half so basically will they force one non-shakur brown turnover in this game so uh on the year we have uh let's see five interceptions from shakur brown no interceptions from anyone else on the roster Uh, And then we have four fumbles, fumble recoveries, two from Antoine Simmons, one from Naquan Jones, one from Jack Camper. So nine turnovers forced on the year, five of them by Shakur Brown. So will we have a turnover forced or uh, recovered by anybody except for Shakur Brown?
0: I'm going to say yes um I think just statistically the odds are on my side I well maybe (laughs) not if we only have four other turnovers but yeah I think we will I I just have a feeling I'm not linking this to the results of my you know bet on on this prop but I have a feeling this is the week Antoine Simmons finally reels in an interception this year he's been all over the field yeah he's been close there was one last week that he like swatted up in the air and just didn't quite fall into his hands um, obviously he had the one against Michigan that he tipped and if he was half a step back, he would have picked. So he's been there. Obviously he's all over the field. Like I said, he's constantly around the ball. And I think finally he makes his play. It's it's almost like a senior send off for him. His last regular season game gets that pick. One last highlight on the NFL or on the college tape for the for the NFL scouts.
1: Yeah. I like you said, you probably would lean towards the S. Penn State's a team that turns the ball over quite a bit. So um, but yeah that was that was one of those where i'm looking we have nine turnovers five of them are Shakur brown um sky you have two more here we'll, we'll i'll try to go a little bit quick hitter so we can try to keep this thing under an hour for the good people
0: yep yeah first of all if you've made it into the depths of this podcast episode with us we, we very appreciate
1: much you, you we, to we know how ramblings. many ve- how
0: many we know how many listeners we get. We do not know how many listeners make it to the finish line. So if you <laughs> I hearing actually this,
1: do, but I just don't. Okay. Know. Well, most yeah, of them. Well,
0: hopefully it's. Uh, Almost hopefully all of them, actually. So I
1: appreciate the good people. <laughs>
0: um, all right. So a couple of season prop bets looking at the end of the year. So um, season team rushing touchdowns. We kind of already yep. uh, previewed this. We have two right now, none of them from running backs. So, season team rushing touchdowns over under at four. I don't know if you want to take this as, you know, the two games left. I don't know if there's a bowl game in play or not. You can take it whatever I'll direction you want.
1: Probably not going to be in a bowl game.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The bowl games is a quick side note. Again, I want to make sure this is, is uh, getting wrapped up here, but uh, the bowl games have no rules. They have no requirements on how many games teams are winning anything like that. So there is a chance that bowl games just to elect to take uh, programs with big fan bases that are going to watch the game. Michigan state has one of the largest alumni living alumni bases in the country. That could play into this as much as we say that like oh we're not going to a bowl game and i tend to agree but these bowl games keep in
0: mind not to uh not to take us too far down this side path i know we said we'd be quick that's always a lie for those who haven't figured it out yet (laughs) (laughs) um we didn't play non-conference schedules so bowl games that have affiliations of the big 10 that typically take like your six and six big 10 team you know we're kind of that team this year Right. Um, I mean, obviously, it depends on what the results show going out. But let's say we had two or three more wins on our resume this year from non-conference. We are that team. So, people, if if there's three and five, two and six, two and five, whatever the records are, teams making it into bowl games this year, people are going to throw fits. Um, just book it. But there's there's precedent behind that. There's a lot of years where. Teams that have two conference wins or three conference wins are making Mm -hmm. bowl games. So don't write it off. I have no idea. I know some of the big 10 bowls and a lot of the bowls in general have already been called off this year. Uh, Last year, our bowl, the pinstripe bowl has been called off this year. So nobody's really talking about that yet. I think we're waiting to see how this season kind of finishes up and just see kind of what's available and go from there, but it could happen. We could have three games, but anyway, back to the bet.
1: Yeah. Over under
0: four michigan state rushing touchdowns on the season
1: i i i have to believe we're gonna get one more right like it's it's just it you has can't to
0: believe happen. against that as a fan you can't but believe against that
1: if the over under as a as a betting man if the over under is set at four
0: okay three and a half because okay. i forgot vegas likes half numbers
1: yeah, I was gonna say if we were going four, that would mean to hit the over. I would need three more touchdowns in the last two games, and I don't think that that would. That's happen. not happening. No. But can we get one more per game against, let's say, Penn State and against, uh, you know, Purdue? Purdue or Minnesota is currently
0: or... the most likely.
1: Uh, I, I, you know what? I'll go over. I, I think. I love it. Whoever we end up playing in the Big Ten West crossover game, again, whether that's a Purdue, whether that's a Minnesota, whether that's a Nebraska, all of these teams that we kind of would be linked to, they all have pretty bad defenses. And that's what I'm going with here. Whether we get one here against Penn State or not, I think it would be possible to punch in two against whoever that Big Ten West opponent would be. So I'm going to go over here but just barely I like
0: it if if I'm going back to three and a half for myself as well I'm going to go with the over I think Peyton Thorne's legs give us another threat if he's in the game Um, it's later in the season colder weather maybe you're looking to run the ball a little bit more Um, and and running backs just have their late season legs these days so and and especially the offensive line that can't be understated either. The fact that, you know, it takes time, especially for a team that we had coming into the year to get the offensive line rolling, get the schemes down. So maybe a few more holes opening up. Um, Hopefully we can get to the red zone and put our guys in a position to score. We'll see, but I'm going to take the over on this one as well. And hopefully that's for three games, not two, but we'll see. Um, All right. Last one here, wrapping it up. Uh, Something I've been paying a little bit of attention to this year Michigan State's team sack leader you got two options here and the first one's two guys will it be either uh Michael Drew Beasley not Michael Beasley Drew Beasley (laughs) or Michael Fletcher so that's the first option one of those two guys or the field the rest of the guys so anyone from the field so just to put it in perspective and put it in context Beasley and Fletcher both have three Deshaun Mallory has two Antoine Simmons Trey Person and uh, Panashuk have one, and Camper and Dowell share a half-sack. The rest of the team sitting at zero, so that's your options.
1: So you're asking like, who the individual sack leader will be, one of these two guys or anybody else, right? Yes. Okay. As so as you could
0: have a tie, but we're not going to consider that.
1: You, you, yeah, you got these two guys who play the position that would generally generate the most sacks defensive end uh, Drew Beasley and Michael Fletcher who but
0: both is also a defensive end
1: right yeah so the Beasley and Fletcher have the leg up right they, they're both at three sacks the next highest is Deshaun Mallory with two everyone else like you said with one uh Panishook like you said he's he's on the field pretty much every every snap it feels like and plays that high high value position there uh, but he he would need two more to catch up person is we can throw him off camper and Dowell are probably off Deshaun Mallory he's been constantly in the backfield man i i think he could sneak up there and Antoine Simmons he I feel like he hasn't been blitzing as much this year as he was last year but um I mean I I would go with one of those two guys just you know they they have the leg up already and they're both in a position to get more sacks if I wanted to make it a little bit more interesting and say which of these two I'm going to roll with Michael Fletcher. It, it feels like he's been just gaining momentum as this season's gone on. And uh, where Drew Beasley had a pretty good start, uh, he's kind of plateaued a little bit. He's not, not to say that he's, you know, like play, you know, he's been bad the last couple of weeks. No, he just, he had a good start and he's been playing well ever since Michael Fletcher has been kind of on this uphill trend. Um, that continues to go. He continues to get more snaps. So uh, between the two of them, I will go with Michael Fletcher um, to get home one or two more times here this year and take that sack champion of the 2020 year.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's the power of suggestion, but uh, I think that was uh, just about right where I'd put it. Everything you said. Um, this was fun. I think the prop bets, th- this was fun. Maybe we yeah, have we a little mini- back. Yeah. Maybe we do like a, once an episode, you got your, or, or once a week, you got your weekly prop bet, just one or two. Uh, We'll see how it fleshes out, but this was fun. This was my first attempt at creating a prop bet, Um, created a lot more conversation than actually I expected it to. Um, Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, do
1: like, this is just, you know, completely winging uh, conversation, but Maybe we'll do something like this over the course of the off season, like throw one in per episode and then, and make sure we kind of write them down and keep track um, as far as predictions for the next year. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. We'll see if the people like it or not. Uh, of course, reach out to us, standing room MSU on Twitter, Spartan Martin 18 on Twitter. Let us know what you think about these prop bets. If, uh, what you would take, what, if you would go the over the under um, and what you thought, before we get out of here, we got to give the prediction. We are battling, of course, for the Land Grant Trophy, one of the weirdest, ugliest trophies in college football. <laughs> um, Michigan State and, and Penn State—we've been battling for the Land Grant since 1993. Um, there's actually just some kind of weird history, like the when Penn State joined the Big Ten in, in 1993. And uh, we basically just immediately were like, all right, we're rivals now, and we created a trophy. <laughs> like there, there was no history. There was no history whatsoever. Like we had played them before. But the last time we played them was in 1966. <laughs> like there, there's just it's a very strange how this came together where uh, Penn State joined the conference, we are like, all right, yeah, yeah, we're rivals now. We don't like you guys. We're going to make a trophy. <laughs> um, so, of course, the, the general history is that uh, Penn State and Michigan State are the two oldest land-grant universities in the United States, but um, just kind of weird how this came together. Um, since the land-grant trophy was created in 93, Penn State leads the series 15-9, to Uh, Michigan State on top here recently with two of the last three. Um, Also with, let's see here, five of the last seven Um, going back to 2010. uh, We've had a couple upset wins. It's actually kind of weird when you look at the history of this uh, trophy because there are not very many close games. There's a lot of blowouts one way or the other. Um, Just kind of following the ebbs and flows of this rivalry, it seems like one team is... Is trending one way while the other team is trending the other way. Um, this year, obviously, is a little bit different. We have two two win teams. Now, the spread is 14 and a half points, over under set at 47. So the Vegas line would imply that this game is going to wrap up somewhere around 31 to 17 in favor of Penn State. Now, I do have Penn State winning this game. I think that it's just a stronger team as far as talent is concerned. And and they're heading in the right direction with two straight wins. And you can argue, yeah, it's against Michigan and Rutgers, you know. But they have they just seem like a team who, they they went into this 0-5 hole. And we talked about the stats. They weren't necessarily getting crushed every one of these games. Um, and it just seems like maybe one of those rallying cries where or there was a players-only meeting type of deal. And they just kind of said, all right, we're not finishing this season this way. This isn't who we are. And, and they've kind of taken that turn here winning the last two games. I think that continues. I do think this one is, is much closer than the line uh, is implying here. I have Penn State 24, Michigan State 22. I think this is a really close game. I think it's going to be decided late. I think they're two pretty pretty equal teams. We talked about, you know, the turnover battle is going to be important, but these are both teams who turn the ball over a lot. I think we should, we can expect quite a few of those. Um, as far as a lot of the stats, were were pretty similar here, and I just don't trust Sean Clifford. I don't trust James Franklin um, to, to be able to, like, you know, really pull away in this one. I, I do think it's going to be close, so I got Again, Penn State 24, Michigan State 22.
0: Yeah, there's a a couple narratives that have run through my head while I've thought about this prediction. One of them being basically what you said, um, you know, that Penn State has enough talent, and enough momentum, turning a corner with their season uh, to put Michigan State behind them, you know, and, and take out the W. The other one is, you know, this Michigan State program, it's young both from a coaching perspective and from a player perspective, it's it's kind of new and they're looking for something to kind of hang their hat on going into the off season. I know we have this champions week, but this really feels like the cap to the whatever sense of normal season we have, you know, it's, it's the last regular season game. It's the last one they know has been on their schedule. It's the last one they get a full, basically season's worth of prep for. Um, so they're looking for kind of a signature to, to, To win, I think it's going to be close. Um, I think, basically, for all the same reasons that you said. And I think the difference in this game is the quality of the coach. I think James Franklin is one of the best recruiters in the country. I think he is one of the worst in game coaches in the country. There have been games that involve Michigan State, and there have been plenty of games that involve other teams where he makes absolutely non-defendable fourth quarter decisions that vividly and expressly cost his team the game. So I think this is where Mel Tucker comes out and shows he knows how to coach. He's already showing, he knows how to recruit. It comes down to a close game in the end. Tucker makes some good calls. Franklin makes a couple boneheaded calls, maybe screws up the clock. Penn state gets a last second field goal, 27, 24, did I say Penn State? I meant Michigan State. If I did, Michigan State, twenty-seven, <laughs> twenty-four. Matt Coglin caps his career with a game-winning touchdown in Happy Valley.
1: I love it. Yeah, he's uh, he's done it before, so you know why not? Um, I, I I love the the optimism there. Uh, we both have close games here, so I, I guess if you're listening out there and you're leaning. One way or the other on the betting line, uh, we we both have Michigan State covering at the very least. Uh, Scott, you're taking us to to win the game outright. Absolutely,
0: got to end of the year. Can't go into the end of the year, uh, you know, banking on the other team, and you know nobody's gonna remember this prediction in uh, nine months when the next season starts. <laughs> probably <So> true. <laughs> might as well have some
1: fun with it. Love it. Well, uh, we, we did run a little bit longer as, as than planned as, as always here, I right? We always, every time we try to like, yeah, let's keep this to like 45. That That's the ideal goal. And, and every time we go over. So uh, again, for all of you, good people listening, we really appreciate the support and continuing to listen and follow along with us. We're, we're having a ton of fun with it. Really. It's a blast every week. Um, Hope everybody has a a great, safe weekend. Hope everybody gets to catch this game. And uh, well, let's wrap this thing up. Go green. Have yourselves a phenomenal weekend uh, from Scott and I. Take care, folks.